0: There are things that we just don't know, and we're never going to know that we don't know if we don't know, right? It seems very very stupid when I say it that way, Um, but that is the perfect example from uh, Groupon. I mean, you're not going to find in the the desk research, searching on Google, that their competitors have a 10 to 20% agreement with their partners, right? I mean, you need to be there. You need to understand. You need to talk to customers, and you need to sense the markets to understand a few things. And and that's why I also brought this example. Um, So eGroup is a a Belgian company. Um, They have an insurance tech solution. So they were aggregating many different insurance options uh, in a platform. Again, Belgian company, they were pretty successful in Belgium. And they decided that they wanted to come to the Netherlands uh, because it is a very similar market. That was their reason. They said, look, we're basically the same country. We speak the same language. So we're going to expand to the Netherlands. Um, So they had already this plan to open their business here. They were already in discussions to open a business and hire around three people to do business development in the Netherlands. When they reach out to us um, and we decided that they would come to the Netherlands in one of the soft landing missions that we do, which is basically this explanatory uh, mission, right? So we bring them here for a week. uh, We connect them to the markets and then they can understand what makes sense, what doesn't make sense and sense the market. Um, as I mentioned before. And I think their feedback uh, after the program was one of the most honest and the happiest ones that I have ever seen in my life. Because in the end of this week, they looked at me and they said, Rodrigo, you saved me thousands, 10,000 euros of investing in the Netherlands because the market here is completely different uh, in the insurance sector than it is in Belgium. We would never be able to succeed here because of the solution that we bring. They are much less uh, innovative in this specific segment than we are in Belgium. And the amount of money that we need to expend to try to get, to get in the balance doesn't make any sense. So they understood by having this experience and by validating the country that it doesn't make any sense to be there. And just by having this validation, they saved 10,000 euros uh, just by hiring someone here. In Maine. we cannot just assume stuff and then I come back again to the same, um, to the same idea here, right? Just because they assume it was a similar market, they almost lost a lot of money. So we need to implement these validations. And the way we do that is very startup style. I'm going to explain to you guys um, a few ideas of how we avoid to spend that much money uh, to figure out that it is or it is not a good place for us to be uh, speaking as a business uh, perspective. Again, uh, I think Groupon is a very good example. They have much more money than we group, so they ended up spending over forty five million dollars just to learn from their mistakes and they could have done this in a much much smaller scale just by applying a few uh, simple validation strategies. So what I want you guys to keep in mind, and again, there is no uh, perfect formula and perfect validation that you should do in the country that really changes from your perspective to your, uh, to another company perspective. But these are a few very important things that you should start validating as you go. We call them the know before you go. Uh, So things that you should understand, right? When you're doing business in that location. So of course some very general aspects, like if you can actually manage the time zone difference that can become very hard. Um, So for example, uh, only globally, we have uh, an Indian business developer That is three years and a half ahead of me. And I have a guy in the East Coast, in the U.S., which is, I think, seven or eight hours uh, before me. So it is quite hard to manage that. uh, And you need to understand if that's something that you can do or at least create a structure that you manage to do that. And, of course, the same goes with the language. If it's something that you can do it yourself, you need to hire local people. How can you actually deal with that? Business culture is by far one of the most important things and the most underrated uh, problems that you have when you're expanding abroad. I've seen thousands of people trying to go to Brazil, for example, and they cannot have a deal done because they don't know how to establish this relationship with Brazilians. Um, very, very important to keep that in mind and also to understand how to do business in each location. There is one tool called the Culture Map from Erin Meyer um, that I think you guys should take a look if you want to um, go a little bit deeper into this topic. Uh, then, of course, currency, inflation, all these things, they make a lot of difference. Again, example from Brazil, because I also do business in Brazil. Um, we were doing a business there. I'm just going to give a random number, but let's say we closed the deal for 10K in the beginning of the year. And six months later, the currency just dropped basically to half. So I'm doing the same work now for half the price. So also very important to keep that in mind, uh, especially if you're a small company that can be lethal uh, or fatal, sorry, uh, in the end. Uh, Then, of course, also stuff about the market. So how the market behaves. What are the needs that they have in that specific location? I'm going to go a bit deeper that, but uh, for example, the thing with, um, a group on that didn't work, the thing with uh, We Group that they also realized it was different. Uh, so very important to keep that in mind and try to understand with your customers, talking to your customers, what they really need. Then, of course, competition, how easy and how much effort you should put into getting new customers, which kind of partners. i going to talk more about this as well. And from the management side, uh, I think very, very important to keep in mind. Do I need to open a company uh, if I want to do business there? What are the legal adjustments? So can I actually operate in that country? They're important. Uh, If I want to hire someone, what are the things that I can do? What are my obligations? Do I need to pay them different stuff than what I do in India, for example? Uh, And, of course, costs. So if you're going to the U.S., you can expect that you're going to spend a lot of money. Um, Hard to see a company going there with less than a million and being successful in a short time uh, if you're coming from abroad without an investment or without a local partner in that sense. And then, of course, taxes, duties. If you're selling a product, physical product, also the logistics which can be a huge headache if you don't plan uh, well enough. And here, I think, is the most important, again, with the Groupon example. uh, Also, if the uh, Best Buy example is, does my business model work there? And if it doesn't, how should I change that to make sure that people buy my product? Um, And I say that because there's this one thing called glocal. I'm not sure if you guys ever heard about it, Um, but that's what we use to explain that Of course, when you have a global company, there are a lot of things in your company that are not going to change depending on where you go. Uh, So in our case, the tech very likely is going to be the same. The proposition or the problem that you solve, it's probably going to be the same. But you need to adapt a lot of things to the local customers. And that could be, for example, changing your features a little bit, creating a different set of features to sell first. The market channels that you use to get more customers, your proposition, uh, maybe even... Of course, the language, the way you speak, um, and the way you try to deal with customers, the legislation, all of this are very important to understand before you enter any location. And the beautiful thing is, after you enter one, two, and three countries, you kind of start getting the pattern on how that works for your business. Um, so you can kind of, easy, a little bit easier, you can replicate that into new locations as you keep applying these ideas. So just an example of someone who did that very well. Um, I think you guys probably heard about PayPal. So payment uh, provider, payment solution, uh, in the UK, or let me start with the Ukrainian page, actually. Uh, so in Ukraine, uh, they have a lot of problems when you're selling, uh, with e-commerce, um, that it might be a fraud. So maybe people just get your, your money and they never send you the product. Um, so PayPal's main selling proposition to the Ukrainian market is, We've got you covered. If that happens, we give your money back. You're safe. In the UK, they don't have that problem. And the main selling proposition they have in the UK is we make it easier for you to buy your stuff. Put your email address, put your password here, link your account. You're good to go. So same product, same features, different uh, selling propositions, different ways of tackling that uh, specific market. So just a very good example of how they do it. Um, now, I want to show you guys a few ways that we use uh, to start validating this country as a startup. And the idea here is these are not, let's say, a sustainable market entry solution. But these are ways, and that's the most important thing. These are ways that you can get in touch with your first customers or other people that can support you throughout your market entry uh, process and can help you understand if it makes sense for you to be in that location. So that's why we're going to start applying after you do that market analysis, you use the calculator, you realize that Indonesia could be a good country for you. Before you open a business and hire 10 people, we're going to use these strategies to make sure that we understand the country, we know what we got to do, and it does make sense for us to be there. First one, very simple approach. And again, the idea here is not trying to get customers and start selling right away, but getting in touch with them and start understanding the local context. So try to validate if it is similar, if they see the value on your product, how much they want to pay, what they expect from you, et cetera, et cetera. That's the same thing as Buffer did. So these guys, they basically scheduled um, uh, tweet posts, so on Twitter, of course. And the way they started the company is they created this ridiculous page with three dots saying, that's what we want to do. And when you click on plans and pricing, which means people are interested, they say, oh, we're not ready. Leave us your email and we're going to get in touch when you're ready. So they validated their whole model just by doing that. They got, I don't know, dozens of uh, customers, potential customers in that sense. And they use those email addresses, those contact uh, that contact information to get in touch with people and ask them. You like the idea? What do you like the best here? How much would you be willing to pay? What do you expect us to deliver for you? How do you feel that this should work between us? Um, It's a really simple way that you don't spend time, don't spend too much money, uh, and try to get in touch with these people to start validating these things. Second thing I wanted to do is, of course, we need to get people to sign up to that page. So uh, I wanted to create some targeted... um, um, uh, ads to reach out to these people. So you can use, for example, Facebook ads. Uh, you could use, for example, Google ads. I don't know how you get your customers today. This works very well for B2C companies. Uh, B2B companies, I usually like to work with partners. I'm going to go a little bit into that uh, in the next validation methods. And very important, uh, We, ha- I think I have eight validation methods. Probably not all of them are going to work for your company. So uh, try to understand which one fits better to your uh, solution, right? So after creating these ads, I want you guys to translate everything to the local language with Fiverr. I think majority of you probably know and heard about Fiverr. Uh, it's just a um, freelance platform that you can hire people to do specific tasks. Um, a lot of crap in there, of course, like any other uh, of these um, uh, platforms, because you cannot really control the quality um, majority of times. But there's one thing that works very well, which is hiring someone from the country that you're targeting to translate your ads. Uh, It doesn't need to be a professional uh, advertising uh, uh, translation, but just by having that translated by someone from that country, uh, you already make sure that at least the message is clear and that people understand what you're trying to sell instead of using Google Translate that you guys probably know doesn't work, right? Uh, So do that and then start applying, start uh, running these ads and see how many people you can get. And the very important thing here is if you get these people, first of all, you have a validation that there is an interest in the market and you have their contact address, uh, their contact details, and you should definitely use that to better understand the market. So everything here is to understand by talking to these people uh, what you need to do to better enter and serve those customers. And of course, if you don't have a lot of uh, people signing up, it might be that first of all, uh, the landing page is not that good. So you might need to analyze that or that also you don't have that much interest in that country. So also a nice way of seeing this. Another thing that you can do, I'm not sure if you guys know this platform, which is called Up in Sales. Uh, They have, I think now they have over 90,000 sales freelancers, uh, professionals. Which means that you can hire someone in a specific location as a freelancer to do some business development for you. And you don't need to pay them a salary. Uh, what you do is you usually pay them a commission based on your product. Of course, if you have a high ticket, if you have a smaller ticket, you might also have to pay um, some salary. And i used that with a few customers Um, And the approach that we like to use is not only paying those guys if they bring you customers, because that's not the main idea for now, but if they bring you leads. So if they put you um, not on the table, because that's probably going to be digitally, but if they arrange a meeting for you, then you also pay them to do that um, uh, based on their success, right? Um, I think for the platform, you pay 570 euros uh, to sign up and then you can post as many ads and you can hire as many people as you want in also different locations. Um, so this is just an example. Uh, that is for a company that was selling a data, uh, big data solution for fintech uh, or financial uh, markets. They wanted to go to the UK. So a guy selling stuff already for 10 years to banks um, and in the financial world. So he has the network already. He knows people. It's much easier for him to get in touch with them and say, hey, I got this great solution. I want to talk to these guys? Uh, much easier than you trying to go that uh, there and doing everything by yourself. Let's say if we go back to the example of uh, Lithuania is a better country for me to develop my business than in India. Why not being accelerated there if you're an early stage company? Uh, there are a lot of these programs in Europe, in the U.S., in Brazil, and everywhere. In India, of course, as well. Um, but What they do is they they have the network already, and they help you adapt your project and adapt your solution to that market because, again, they know the market, they have the networks. And sometimes you even get some money, uh, depending on the structure that the accelerator uses. So that's also a very nice way for the early stage guys to uh, validate a new location. Oh, and very nice, they also give you visa uh, in a few of these places. So that's also very helpful. Um, Another very good one is going to specific events of your industry. And I say that because every time I say events, people say, I'll go to Web Summit. They have 70,000 people there. So I I should find someone, right? But the problem is there are 70,000 people there. And trying to get to the people that you really want to talk to can be very challenging. Uh, So going to specific events in your industry. In this case here was an event just for ports in Rotterdam. Uh, You have people there potential customers, potential partners, very easy way to get around and increase your network. Business missions is another one. That's something that I mentioned to you guys. So this is one that we did here in the Netherlands, a nice way that you can spend a week here. Same thing as we did with those Belgian guys to understand the market, get in touch with people. And what we do is we create the whole agenda to show you guys what you need to know before you do business in this country. Of course we do that, uh, but chambers of commerce also do that. There are a few different people around the world that can provide this kind of service. Another very simple one, and very funny that I don't see people actually using it, is trying to tackle their own customer base. And I have a funny example. Uh, There was a Brazilian guy that was, uh, he had a a software to help manage uh, employees on the ground. So they had to go somewhere else to perform their services, and they had this platform to kind of keep track of what they were doing. Uh, And one of their customers was Renault, so the big manufacturer of cars. Uh, and he came to me asking, man, how can I go to new countries? I don't know how to do it. So we start talking, and then he told me that Renault was one of these countries, uh, these companies. And I said, well, why don't you just ask them if they can also introduce you to the guys in France and other countries that they are also there? And that's what he did. And just by doing this very simple strategy, then you also got in touch with all different locations. And he already started uh, in these countries with a very good customer in the database to kind of show us a portfolio. And then uh, the last validation one, and I think that's the one I like the most, uh, the one that I use the most, is strategic partnerships. So basically people that can support you. And the way I like to see that is who is serving the same customer as you're serving and how can you guys join forces to serve the same customer. And we can look at this in all different ways. These partnerships come in all different formats, all different shapes. Um, I brought a few of them here. So, of course, we can have these resellers, agents. the one that I like the most is how can we help people that are serving the same customers as we are and how we can join forces to serve those customers. Um, so I have one very good example from a guy that he has, um, he has a solution for e commerces that uh, he makes the e-commerce more interactive. So it feels like a social media platform. And he wanted to expand. And our solution was go to marketing agencies, digital marketing agencies, specialize in e commerces Because these guys, they are already selling to your customer. You get a partnership with him. It's good for him because he's selling a new solution to the customer. So the customer is happy. He's happy. You get more customers. Good way to go. Uh, So we call that an indirect export. So I really like to see companies serving the same customers. Even competitors sometimes can be uh, your partner. Of course, I'm talking here about market perspective. uh, But you can also bring partners in the admin side. As an admin management side. Uh, like lawyers, accountants, and people who know how to manage a business in that location, so you can also get their support. And, of course, strategic also uh, partners like an investor from the country or maybe a consultant or a mentor uh, that knows the market that can support you with that expansion. I want you guys to see your expansion after validating the country. So we finish here by understanding, okay, uh, in our example, Indonesia is a good country for me how do I actually enter in that country, right? So the resellers and the agents is what we call indirect export. So you can find partners that do the sales for you. Um, This is one of the most common, I'll say my personal favorite for my business model. But we also see very simple, uh, for example, companies that they only sell, they manage everything for their own country and they try to get customers from abroad with digital marketing uh, or by doing business development from their own country. And then in the indirect export, you can find partners that take care of your sales, of your customer support, or your marketing. You can also find partners to do your R&D. Very simple, very common for outsourcing. Um, Or, of course, you can always hire people and have a subsidiary branch in that country so you have more control in that sense, right? Um, And the way I like to see uh, that makes our scalability easier is how can we try to focus on what we are good and get someone else to help us with what we are not. So that's what I do with my international marketing. I get partners that can support me and can get me in touch with other customers. Um, And that is what many other companies do also. Uh, It really depends on your model. And uh, of course, how you guys uh, want to tackle that decision.